Award-winning St. Mort show. Uh, those of you who listen to the Geekscape podcast know that St. Mort show won best non-Geekscape content in the five-year annual Geekscape awards ceremony. Uh, yes, I was also the person who counted the votes, but no, I did not uh, cheat. Um, you might notice that there was no theme song or old-timey radio personality or any of those things because I received a letter from John recently that told me just because I'm award-winning doesn't mean I'm good and that he's sick and tired of the late night style of the show so we're going to try this as a talk radio show now Uh, we're going to work on getting some phone lines so people can call in but uh, because of the new format I have a co-host hey Uh, Jeff Shropshire, who has been on the show two or three times, uh, is now my new co-host. I have not seen Jeff in quite a while, as the last six months I've been in California. But Jeff was on the last episode from PA, and it seems appropriate that he would be on the first episode from PA. Uh, How you been, Jeff? Good. Lucky me, let me tell (laughs) you. A new responsibility. Always. So have you done anything exciting in the last six months, or? I've I've basically sat in this little two-foot area that I'm currently sitting at in my apartment. Uh, sometimes I migrate to my bedroom to go to bed, but usually I just fall over and fall asleep here. So it's been living the life of a true bachelor. Yep. I can't I can't imagine why I'm single. <laughs> as I swat away like fruit flies. <laughs> Look at the garbage littering my floor. Yeah, it gets me very excited for the prospect of living with you in the near future. <laughs> Sometimes I'm neat. Although you and I were pretty badass roommates in the past. We never really infuriated each other too much. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say badass. I mean, we weren't like out fighting crime or anything. Well, maybe you weren't. But. Oh, that's where you were going those nights. <laughs> you refused to be my Robin, so I had to take crime and deal with it. Because no one else was. All that crime in the suburbs. <laughs> All that suburb crime. Dropping cigarette butts in people's lawns and being like, Jeffrey did it. Because we had that neighbor who fucking hated you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I spit on her by accident. <laughs> but it was raining. So Unless she she's to... listening, then I, then I didn't. Yeah, I'm sure she's listening. <laughs> Nobody's listening. Um, well, we're still going to have interview segments. Uh so you're not going to get too much of just Jeff and I's classic banter, like what you just heard right there. Good shit right there. But uh, I want to throw to a interview that I did with an old friend of the show. Um, before I did the St. Moore show, Jeff and I used to have a couple podcasts. And I'm pretty sure this guy was on every episode, every version of our podcast, uh, Tommy Avalone. He was the first guest on the St. Mort show, or one of the first guests. Uh, and he has a documentary coming out called I Am Santa Claus that uh, I sat down with him for about a half hour, and we talked about the documentary and some of his other film projects that he's been working on, so I'm going to go to that real quick. 
Uh, I'm here with Tommy Avalon. Avalone. You got headphones on? Nah, I can't be professional like that. I only got one output. (laughs) And it's Avalone. Avalone. Let's start this again. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm here with Tommy Avalone. The are you directing or just producing? I'm directing this one. Yes. Directing director and producer of I Am Santa Claus. I actually don't think I'll take a producer credit, but I mean, I will take an editing credit. <laughs> well, that counts. Yeah. Editor and producer are the same thing, right? No. Oh. Um, I have not seen you much since the last time you were on the St. Mort show. Yeah, you're too busy in the old uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, I did see the last performance probably of Nitty Gritty. Yes. <laughs> uh, which kids are still talking to me about today i doubt like, that oh man they did that song about filling their socks <laughs> um is that the first time you guys heard that song that was the first time we heard that song we were, everyone was upset that you guys didn't play the tater tot song yeah because that song always did well in aston i just there's so many words to all these songs that i have to remember <laughs> like i had to relearn everything so that's the reason why timmy's just doing a solo thing now well then we're, we're at different parts of our lives i mean to get to the serious part of it it's just like you want to do Serious stuff, and I, I can't put the time in for Nitty Gritty yeah. um, to remember lyrics. I mean, not that I wouldn't want to. Yeah, but... But it's just, it's just really tough to remember lyrics. <laughs> um, but now you're, you know, you've been doing the directing and producing thing for a while, and it's been going pretty well. I mean, even when I was in L.A., I heard a lot of people talk about, they're like, have you heard about this movie called Calendar Girls? And I'm like, yes, I, I'm very aware of this movie you're called lying. Calendar Girls. I'm dead serious. They're talking I, about that that the guy from 90210's Calendar Girl in 1993. Now a few people a have asked movie. me about uh about Calendar Girls. Uh, people who've heard the podcast and people who haven't have been like, I'm really interested in that movie. Uh, so before we get into I'm Santa Claus, is there any more developments on what's going on with um, Calendar Girls and Boot It? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, um, as Double Windsor Films, in the last two, two years of our lives, we've produced three movies. All right. One of which, uh, 2009, was booted with uh, mm-hmm. Alan Ruck, uh, f- who played Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Ryan Dunn, uh, Colin Quinn, Mark Summers from Double Dare. Um, and that one's, um, I don't want to say been shelved, mm-hmm. but it's just like, you know, when you're doing the stuff, you have problems with directors or certain people you don't see eye to eye, but uh, it's on a forward motion to go. So we're getting better with it. Okay. Uh, a Girl, we made the year later. Uh, with director Derek Lindemann, uh, is done. It's won all these like you know minor festivals. Uh, hey, victory is a victory, you know. Yeah, yeah, we won like uh, best comedies and best of fests for at least three or four different festivals: Woods Hole, um, First Glance, Hoboken International, and Cinefest. And we're about to play some New Jersey festival in January, right. January twentieth. Uh, and then we're just talking to the distribution. I mean, inside information here, it's just, it's tough when um, your movie's leads aren't names. I mean, we do have names in the movie. But they're not the lead. They're not, you know, your, your lead to second lead. Uh, but now, Mancation is a movie we shot in 2011, uh, last year, April. And yeah, that, you were working on that when we did our last interview. Correct. <laughs> if, yes. If I recall I don't correctly, remember. actually, I had to leave as soon as the interview was done. Because you were about to do some pre-production on Mancation with Booch. Sure. I think that's why he was sure. here. No, it's fine. I, th- I think he was. <laughs> I think he was here because I remember seeing Mancation written on the uh, board behind you. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, and then he, uh, yeah. So we had Joey Fatone in that one. 
uh, Danica McKellar played Winnie Cooper and Mike Starr, who was the gas man in Dumb and Dumber. And that movie is just like, it has everything it needs to and sell. It's just going. Yeah, I mean, smoothly. we sh- we should have a, a a screener of that in three weeks, and then we're just hitting. I mean, anyone who we talked to distribution wise that liked Calendar Girl but knew they couldn't do much with it because of no names. Yeah. In the leader role, um, they they they're willing to help on Mancation, which is a, you know a bigger budget. These guys, these bigger names are in these bigger roles. There's nudity. Yeah. You know, and there's there's actually we paid for some music too, so it's like you have familiar names, familiar uh, sounds, and it's just it's the right recipe for that that sort of uh, audience and a, a movie that would sell. Yeah. So that's where we are with those. Now I I haven't directed a movie or anything really since community since college. community college, which I mean I don't know when you would say that was done two thousand six two thousand seven. It, that was done four or five different times. Right, right. Which will be on DVD. It will yeah. be on DVD this summer. So through Chemical Burn, Chemical Burn put out the, is putting on the DVD where they uh, they mostly put out horror movies. I mean, one of, one of the movies on Chemical Burn is uh, Fast Zombies with Guns. So you That's could, the name of the movie. Yes, that That's is a name. great name. I I have it here. I haven't watched <laughs> it yet. I can't wait. Uh, but no, I mean it's in it's in good company. <laughs> but no, I mean, but it's uh, we're gonna have that on. Oh, I feel like I'm tired here. Home. Let me wake up a little bit. It's alright. I'm sick. All right. This was supposed to be in a bowling alley originally. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I just I just caught the, so the bug. So if you want to imagine what that was like, just listen to this and imagine <laughs> loud noises throughout in the background. No. Yeah. Okay. So, but uh, Chemical Burn, it's gonna come out uh, the summer. Oh, and we'll we'll push it hard. I'm I'm trying to get Hand Heights, the town I shot that in, to give me the key to the city. So I mean, well, let's see. I mean, you ran for mayor. <laughs> You've done enough for this. I know. This city. I I want it. I. <laughs> I have a t- uh, day named after us for Beers for Cancer Day, December 3rd. Nice. So, I mean, I, I'm not sure if it tallies over or if people would cel- celebrate it, but they should. December <laughs> 3rd in Hat Heights is Beers for Cancer Day. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so um, I haven't directed anything since then. I, I directed, like, a couple music videos and stuff like that. But um, to go back into, like, a movie, I, I just – I'm not good at directing actors. Like, I'm not good at telling people h- how to act what I – here in my head like i can't go hey do it this way because they all they don't they can't get into my head yeah i mean there's not a procedure yet that allows someone <laughs> to actually get into the person's head so i'm not good with actors so uh making something out of nothing is something i feel like i'm very good at yeah uh and so that was it was a perfect um uh, match for me to go into the doc world because i mean it really i mean it's not making something out of nothing but in some ways it is because you're shooting these you people. don't know what you're gonna well exactly it's i just recently rewatched um winnebago man yes and did you like that i love that movie. okay but rewatching it it is funny because you look at that movie and you can tell that this guy went into making that documentary with a completely different concept of what was going to be the final product and then actually met the winnebago man and it's almost like there's two different documentaries that you're yeah. watching at that point because it goes from being, I want to find out who this guy is from these YouTube videos to suddenly realizing who he is as a person and saying, like, I want to give this guy a chance to redeem himself. Like, it's almost kind of a complete 180 of what his original intention was. Yeah, and what's what I like about that movie, it's like it's their first um, internet celebrity biofilm. Yeah. You know, it really shows how the internet – yeah, picks up these people out of nowhere and just makes them a star whether they signed up for it or not. <laughs> I mean, 
The story I, of Star Wars Kid is absolutely depressing in that Yes, movie. yes. You know what's great? The, the Breathing Lady, I have that on VHS. I was like, I was like, oh, wow, I'm old. Like, I just, I, I remember, like, going to a video store and buying, like, a bunch of movies, and that was one of them. And it was like, we would just watch that and Mr. T's Be Somebody or Be Somebody's Fool over and over and over. I have that burn on a DVD somewhere. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. T, Be Somebody or Be Somebody's I, Fool. It's I have a it masterpiece. Somewhere. I think my parents' house, but it was amazing. And you Mr. Got T, all these VHS tapes all over the well, place. Well, they're just um, tapes we shot throughout our lives. I'm trying to put in a, on a hard drive. Nice. That's like when I was like 11 years old shooting videos. <laughs> <laughs> so they're the original documentaries of Tom. Yeah, Taylor. yeah. I could, I could make a, <laughs> I could make a boring documentary out of my life. <laughs> The unauthorized autobiography of Tommy Evola. Yeah, it's just me wrestling uh, uh, dummies. Have you seen that there's a – someone put on YouTube a, these two brothers, one's a director and one's a comedian, uh, over Christmas found their home videos and uploaded them onto YouTube with director's commentary of the two of them <laughs> talking about the scenes? Yeah, I mean, our, our stuff, it's like we just – like the first year really was just me talking to the camera when no one was there. And then uh, and wrestling these, like, He-Man dolls. Or not dolls, like, wrestling buddies, you know? Yeah, the Hulk Hogan wrestling buddies. And right, stuff. but mine was just, like, this lo- longer, like, He-Man one. <laughs> and we'd wrestle that. And then we just started uh, stealing sketches from Mad TV and just redoing them slightly I think different. everyone, I think every kid had similar. Yeah. I, I think any kid who wanted to, like, write or direct. Because I remember, I didn't have a video camera as a kid, but I had, like, a little cassette recorder. Yeah, Talkboy. And, no, not a talk boy. <laughs> this was like an old, like 1970s. Like you put a blank cassette tape in, press down, and you had to hit record and play at the same yeah. time to record it, type thing. And uh, I know me and and my two friends would take Cracked Magazine and Mad Magazine and act out the actual scenes right. <laughs> on a tape recorder. And I'm sure I have those tapes somewhere, and I will make sure they never see the light of day. I'm sure no one would but, care. But it was one of those. <laughs> no, I would care. <laughs> but uh, no, I think I think everyone who's kind of come from like a creative minded lifestyle started young, <laughs> wanting to to do something. Yeah, I mean, we just we did. Uh, That's my white mama. We did um, almost kind of like the UPS. Uh, guy that the the, the guy uh, he just did like a UPS like oh I got your package and just moved real fast and we just did a bunch of those things and the first movie we ever tried doing was called Views from a Fat Man and we just put uh, uh, pillows underneath our shirts to act like we were fat and it was all just one camera <laughs> I was our one shot like no cuts it was just like all someone held it and like a shot you know, no just shot everything like you yeah. know just a big wide shot everything happened in that you know and like you could see like it was kind of like I guess Kerb, but not as talented. At, or it was just like we knew where we had to go, and we tried to get there. But my friends were like, you know, fourteen, thirteen years old, not actors, not wanting to do this. So I'm yeah. like telling them, "Hey, don't you think you should be saying this?" <laughs> you know. Well, I think it's even funny because you have your old shorts on YouTube still, and some of those are still really funny. Like the screamer is still really funny. Yeah, you know what? Um, <laughs> for community college, uh, the DVD, I was very lucky that. Uh, Chemical Burn let me do whatever I wanted with the release. Yeah. So, like, for the DVD, we have, like, these old sketches that, like, would never – I never think – well, I mean, never thought we'd see the light of day. At that, that time, we we're like, this is great. You yeah. know? But, you know, I, like, all these sketches off, like, 8-millimeter cameras, you know? And then now they're going to be released, you know? Like, so there's, like, three 
three sketches of just like old grainy footage. Uh, you know, some nitty gritty videos and some talk, um, commentary tracks and stuff like that. But just to release these old videos that like, you know, when I was 14 or 15, we never knew what would come of it. And now it's like, they're out. And that's what, like something I want to keep trying with as long as they let me, I want to keep trying to put these old, like I want to put the screamer, uh, sketch on the calendar girl, uh, DVD. And uh, for mancation, like a spinning puking man. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, we want to put something with Booch in it because Booch is like got a bigger role than. I mean, Booch is out of all the guys that are that we I originally shot with, still yeah. acts and still does all that stuff. You know, what I mean, like Timmy and uh, Jordan, they'll be in it, and Johnny Three, uh, he'll be in this stuff too. But Booch actually acts like he's yeah. got characters. Uh, it's he so it's he good. is definitely when you watch Community College. Like he's the one where it's like you can, you can see more than anyone else in that movie. He's definitely playing a character, whereas there are elements in there where you're like they're kind of playing themselves because it's easy oh, yeah. to play yourself. Where Booch is like, no, this guy's actually playing character and he's coming off really believable as that character too. Well, I mean, we beat up on him a lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> which I've gained from watching your VHS movies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that's the thing. That's the, I mean. Uh, for the Mancation DVD, I'm, I'm hoping this works out. We want to make a, like a behind the booch sort of story, where it's like because in this in Mancation, and I can't really go into what at the at the end what happens, but like there's some serious stuff that happens, and like and we just realize that we've beat up beat them up through so many different movies that never saw the light of day, and just some and now the movie that we're doing now, I mean Encounter Girl, it gets its throat slashed, you know, um, and it's just like. It's just funny to me to always beat them up. <laughs> and now we have like a series of films that will hopefully be released that we just we can show that. <laughs> those movies are still fun. Like, yeah. Not, like, it's one of those things where it's like, this is just fun. You're watching a group of kids like trying out film, like really testing their abilities as filmmakers. And it's exciting. <laughs> it's cool. I, I like that stuff. There's a reason why Clerks holds up is because as much as it's a well-written script, it's also a bunch of people trying to see if they can make it as filmmakers for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's I like mean, a weird appeal of that in movies. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying to release Wasted Apples no, on DVD anytime soon. I would love to redo it, you know, but, uh, I, I mean, still think here's the yesterday is actually a really, like, I think that's the movie where I was like, Oh wow. Tommy can actually write. Yeah. Like, but it's just the thing is about that. It's like you had to watch two other films. To yeah. You get had there. to watch those other two to get and there. And that's, I mean, not to say here's yes, I would have ever done anything. I'm not saying that at all, yeah. but it's just like, you know, I mean, wasted apples, you know, was one thing we wrote that movie in 2001 and small Tank tanked. was 2002. Uh, here's, here's yes. It was 2003. So at that time it's like, we were, we were getting better. You know I mean? Yeah. My college was just doing these movies over and over and over, you know, and really in some ways it's the same story. Just different, and I and I think that's part of the reason why it took so long to do community college because right. by the time you got to community college, you knew what worked and what didn't, and you could see what didn't work from the get go. Right. Yeah. And then we we de- I mean the first movies we had like twenty characters, you know, like yeah. sixteen characters. We just one was four, <laughs> you know, and then like, but that's just like we just we were still doing line per line shooting, whereas it's like okay, say this, okay, no, no, say this, no, say this. Yeah. You know, whereas you know the second time we did community college around we had people run the scene, you know, or it's like you had everything and to have reaction shots, the cut to that are like authentic, yeah, you know, and not like, you know, when I go, Hey, uh, do this. And then I go, why? I go, it doesn't matter. Just, just do this, you know? <laughs> and, but now, but community college, they could see why things were happening. I'm very frustrating 
uh, I get frustrated very easily, and I get mad when people don't understand things, and, it, and I'm just not good at explaining it. So that's you know, <laughs> that's why I'm now so a documentary you're guy. In a level of frustration. <laughs> yes, I'm frustrated now. <laughs> uh, now I am Santa Claus. You would actually, I don't think you talked about it on the show, but before we started recording last year, when we were waiting for Boots, you're like, yeah, I have this idea for a documentary, and it it was a very like. Uh, I might do it. And there was a few other projects that you had been talking about doing that I thought were going to be put as priority. And then next thing I know, I'm hearing all this stuff about I Am Santa Claus. I'm seeing you on, you know, the Philly, Philadelphia morning. CBS Talk Philly with Yuki Washington. <laughs> and uh, I was just like, wow, he's really he's really doing it. And you have a Kickstarter now? Yes. Um, I Am Santa Claus com. Now, just so you know, Santa Claus, Claus, no E. Okay. A lot of people mess up on it. I was, I did, I messed up on the first, and um, someone told me how stupid I was. <laughs> Just because everyone sees the Tim Allen movie, and they Santa think Claus. Santa Claus has yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, how things go. You always have a million different ideas, and what gets pushed. Um, we were working on writing a script uh, for this other movie, and we realized it was like, you know, we really shouldn't make any more narrative movies. We weren't going to make any other movies until one of our movies got sold. Uh, because, I mean, we wanted to show that we were actually accomplished. Yeah, instead you know, of just having five or six Yeah, this back catalog that, of yeah. movies that never never came to be. You know, and I'm not saying any of them are. It's just, I mean, it's a long process. You know, yeah. I mean, booted, you know, is problems between crew and stuff like that. But, like, it's this uh, Calendar Girl, you know, it, it, it was made. It was completed. And it actually did the festivals, you know. Uh, and with that, you know, we're talking to some distribution people. Um Actually, you know, uh, and it should be within hopefully a couple months that we can actually have a deal from it. Um, but uh, Mancation, that's one of those movies that will not play at festivals. I mean, if yeah. it is, it's a friend of ours asked us to, you know, or yeah. or they just, you know, um, haven't seen it yet. <laughs> it's just it's just not that kind of movie, you know. I mean, it's great. I, I love Mancation, but it's just not that. It's not a it's, festival. It's not a festival it's not movie. It's not an indie favorite or something like that. It's a... It's more of a straightforward comedy. Yeah, and but uh, the the Santa Claus movie was an idea I had, and I I ran into a a, a documentary uh, filmmaker at a festival that Calendar Girl played, and we had mutual friends, and we were just talking, and I was like, you know, you, you do a lot of good work. I appreciate what you do. You know, how how do you? I see that you put your name on a lot of projects. How's that happen? And he was just more or less more or less saying, well, you know, people talk to me and they show me what they got, and I, if I like it, I I endorse it. So I pitched him the idea, and he loved it. And then when we we started having meetings and stuff like that, but uh, it was just one. It took like another person's excitement to get to me get more you excited. excited, you know. And uh, it's it's just it's it's fun. Like, and then I had to find out what Santa Claus we were going to start following, and like getting more into the world. Like, I mean, there's uh, there's the um, there's amalgamated order of real bearded Santa Clauses. <laughs> and there's a, a fraternal order of real bearded Santa Clauses. You know, I mean, uh, they look – I mean, they, they will never say it, but a lot of them kind of look down on designer beard Santas, which are f- people who have fake beards. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's uh, a town in Indiana called Santa Claus, Indiana. Uh, it, every year there's a uh, Santa Claus World Congress in Denmark. You know, and there's just this crazy underbelly – not crazy, just interesting underbelly of Santa Clauses. The more – 
I found out about it. I was like, well, I, I have to do this. And it well, wasn't. That's, that's the type of documentaries people remember. Yeah. You, you know, know what I mean? Like, one of my favorite documentaries is always going to be um, stuff like King of Kong, Fistful of Quarters, or Best Worst Movie, because it's just. You're looking at a really strange. Yeah. Strange following and a strange cr- group of people where it's like, yeah, Grizzly Man is interesting, but you're only just watching about one weird guy doing weird stuff. Meanwhile, you're looking at like King of Kong, where you're like, "Where are all these people? Like, there's hundreds of people that do this, and I've never even known about it." Yeah, I mean, like with that movie, I, I was—I mean, the great thing about documentary filmmaking is that everyone is super cool. Yeah, like uh, everyone is accessible uh, and is easy to answer any questions. Like, I—I I, I mean, I went to college, but like, I dropped out because college is not my thing. I learned by yeah. doing. And I learned by asking questions, you know? So once I wanted to do documentary st- stuff, I went out and reached out to just uh, all the, the filmmakers of documentaries that I liked, and I talked to Seth. This yeah. is me name-dropping. That's fine. Uh, Seth's the shit. <laughs> and uh, he uh, he was really, really cool and, like, gave me some pointers of what to do. And, like, he said when he went into that movie, it was not his intentions to shoot that. You yeah. know, his, his intentions were to shoot – you know, a documentary of just video game rivalries, you yeah. know? And, like, so he had set a couple different things. I mean, you you kind of see some of them in the movie but throughout. Then Billy but, and but Billy and, uh, was it? Um, Steve. Steve Billy, Weeby. Steve Weeby just yeah. were such it bigger just, than, like, they just, they just pulled the camera in that direction, you know? And like, when when a Steve Weeby and um, uh, Billy, Billy Mitchell. Mitchell, sorry, when a, and when, you, when a Billy Mitchell comes into your movie, you just follow the hell out of him. Well, you know? and it's it's one of those things where the, one of the best reviews I heard about that movie was they literally said Bill we uh, Steve Weeby and Bill Billy Mitchell feel more like villains in a narrative yeah. than two real human beings like yeah. and like he's completely real yeah they're they're com- the way that they just bashed heads it's a more compelling good versus evil story than most narrative good versus evil stories <laughs> yeah I mean I think. I think it was in the the, the current uh, Morgan Spurlock's uh, 50 Greatest Docs Before You Die. Okay. Uh, Seth's on there talking about how, like, um, Steve Weeby was is an okay character, but it needs a Billy Mitchell oh, to absolutely. pull it all out. I mean, that's that's just what you do, and like, you know, um, it, it's it, it was it's just a great movie, you know. Yeah. Now. With you, I'm looking at you have various photographs of Santa Claus on your uh, cork <laughs> yeah. board up there. Um, are you going to cover? You were talking about how there's all the different ones, the real beards, the fake beards. Are you going to cover both, or are you focusing mostly uh, on authentic beards? I mean, we might. Uh, there's a couple of designer beards that we know, uh, but I mean, more or less, it's in the real beard stands because they're the ones that take it really seriously. Well, not even that; it's they can't get away from it. You know, a designer yeah. beard is just like an actor. You know, I mean, they're all in some ways actors, but like he could take his beard off and then do whatever for ten months or yeah. whatever. These guys are Santa Claus all the time. <laughs> like, I mean, one of our guys, Russell, that guy right over there, uh, good for a podcast. Uh, <laughs> he, he, you know, um, he was a salesman, you yeah. know, clean shaved all his life. Uh, he got divorced, lost his job, lost his house, and, like, he was living in his uh, daughter's basement, you know, super depressed. Like, what do you do when, like, your whole world falls, you know, apart, falls apart. In a couple days, he's yeah. probably well, not a couple days, but still, like, yeah. in, in, a, in a small period of time. And like he was, I think sixty at the time, 
you know, so he's like, oh, I can get another job, but you know, no one's hiring because the economy. Yeah. And the fact he's sixty years old, you know, <laughs> they're they're gonna want to hire the younger guy. It's just it's plain and simple. So it's like he just got in this super de- depression and started growing his beard and dyed it white and just started becoming a started portraying Santa Claus and it was just that's what lifted him out of his depression you know and yeah. and his daughter is a, a photographer so you mean you know there goes she could take pictures of him and kids with Santa Claus so I mean he's making money with that is someone knocking hello no okay sorry <laughs> you can cut that out <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know I mean it, it's these there's some interesting stories there you know one of our Santa Santa's Frank he's got this thick New York accent, you know, and like when you hear a Santa Claus, you think, oh, ho, ho, how are you doing? <laughs> you know, you don't hear those hard R's, you know, or those whatever, you know, whatever New York accents, you know. I don't know if it's hard R, but it's like one of those like, uh, hey. <laughs> but, wait, wait but, to exemplify the hard R with no, the yeah, has no yeah. R. Yeah, but <laughs> there's a, he'll say certain words sometimes and you just go, oh, you're in New York. Uh, and he, um. And he's got tattoos up and down. So I mean, he was actually one of the first Santas I ran into. You know, he uh, he was at it was a Chiller Festival, yeah, uh, horror convention in North Jersey. He uh, he's just tattoos all the way down his arm, white beard, white hair, dressed in red, and it's like it's one of those things. Where, like, do you really go up to someone and go, "Hey, man, you're Santa, right?" <laughs> you know, but like you just got. F- I, f- I had I had a fight, and I was like, "Hey, I hate to ask. I'm sorry to ask, but." are you Santa Claus? And he's like, here's my card. You know? Uh, and then I looked him up on Facebook and man, and like his, his he's got so many friends or Santas. And that's how we found all majority of our Santas was through one guy. It was, yeah. Well, just, you, you find yeah. all their friends and you, Hey, we're going to call you and interview you. You know, what's your story? Give me yeah. these things. And we, I have like 20, 25 Santas in my phone right now. You know, it's <laughs> just like, we, we narrowed it down to five. Uh, there's one guy from I think Georgia that we might just show in for like five or ten minutes just because you can't understand a word he says. He's from Georgia, yeah. <laughs> you know, so we might just put him up on the screen and put subtitles up. But he's a hunter, you know. Santa hunts. All right. Well, the website is IamSantaClaus.com. IamSantaClausMovie.com. Movie.com. Yeah. And uh, go there, help them out with the Kickstarter. Do you have any? When's the Kickstarter end? January nineteenth. We uh, we're actually funded right now. We we are asking for ten thousand dollars, but I mean, much like you know the meaning of Kickstarter, it's not your budget. It's just to get you started. Yeah. So I mean, we we're still hitting it hard. Try pushing it all that stuff. You know, um, we're starting to only post videos to our backers. So even if you're donating five dollars, you'll get to see some see what's going on more back. on the inside. And I mean, to get into a Kickstarter conversation, I'm not sure what we're at here. If you want to, <laughs> but I mean, it's just like I used to hate it because I always thought it was so stupid, you know. And in some ways, some ways, so many people do use it for stupid reasons. I mean, yeah. I've seen someone ask for like honorary producers and stuff like that. But it really is this is a great way for anyone, anyone to get in the movie making you know, process, you know, you know, you're giving people these updates and you're showing them what you've done. And like, it's, it's, it's a year process for us, yeah. you know? So, I mean, these people are helping us start the movie and they, they can get producer credits. They can get special thanks and the credits. They can get copies of the movies when it's done is you're almost pre-ordering a year advance, you yeah. know, it's just, it's a great process and a great way of anyone who's ever wanted to try to get behind the wheel, you know, can help, do that, you know, uh, and that's it's just Kickstarter is really cool in that way. Um, I, there was something I wanted to say. Oh, 
So in the way I was telling you about Calendar Girl and Mancation, where it's like you got to put your, your leads, your names and your leads to get a silly movie, we have the most famous person in the world in our movie, and it's not costing us much at all. Yeah. <laughs> we have Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he doesn't come with a Brad Pitt price tag. <laughs> well, thank you for uh, allowing me to do an interview with you, Tommy. No uh, problem. Sorry I was I'm, a little sick. It's all right. Uh, you know, we'll try to get you on sooner than a year. <laughs> Because we got Mancation and possible DVD releases and stuff. To yes, promote. and community college this summer. Yeah. We'll keep, <laughs> I'll have to show you how to get Skype on your computer so I don't have to drive out here yes. every time. <laughs> I, need, but, I need to figure that stuff out, man. I'm done. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Tommy. Uh, thank you, Matt. St. Morg. Mort. Mork. Whatever. <laughs> I know my daughter needs cleaning after she pees, but isn't this her mother's job? I want to be a good dad, but... This just feels weird. The last time I touched one of those was the night we got pregnant with her. I've never seen one so small before. Is it all there? <coughs> Silence the voices. You have a choice. Hello, I'm Michael Kane for Baby Bidet. Now with the Baby Bidet, you can wash all those feelings of inadequacy away for good. The Baby Bidet is easy to set up, it's easy to use, it's even easier to clean up. Baby Bidet provides a gentle sprinkle of water to your daughter's bum. It plugs in any sink, blue, or outside tube for ease and range of use. Once you get old enough, you can even drink with it. I do. The Baby Bidet. It won't make you any less of a man, but it will make you more of a father. Endure. And we're back. Uh, as always, our wow, commercials... feels like no time even passed there. <laughs> uh, as always, our commercials are provided by Sam Weller, so a special thanks to Sam. Um, Jeff, while we're doing this, is painting some type of picture and looks like a guy surrounded by coffee mugs. Yes, it's an illustration of uh, Agent Dale Cooper from Twin Peaks. Gotcha. I lost uh, my eraser. <laughs> now, as for me, I have been working on eventually recording another St. Mort album. Uh, but I don't have any music to play from that. But Jeff and I have started talking to a group called Roots and Stereo. Uh, they've been on the show before. And uh, towards the end of the episode, I think I want to play one of their songs, probably a song called Fuck It Theory, uh, which is a really strange blend of ska and punk and reggae and hip-hop. Uh so hopefully you guys enjoy it. Now, Jeff, what, have you seen any good movies recently? You uh, uh, do anything exciting? The last movie I saw in theaters was The Muppets. I, and? I, I was thinking earlier today, I was like, you know, 2011 just passed. I wonder what my top ten movies I saw this year were. But then I realized that there would be some garbage on there because I don't even think I've seen ten movies in the theater this year. That, that's like how I, I was like that until about two months ago. For instance, I guess Cap did Captain America come out. Captain America came out this year. All right, I actually like that movie. Did Super Eight come out this year? Yes, I saw that movie also. <laughs> yeah. Super Eight was like there were elements of Super Eight I really liked, but you I don't did, think you didn't I like loved the laser it as a whole. fight at the end in that in the town. What you've seen Super Eight, right? Yeah. You no know one like the towns getting it like. All the like uh, tanks are out and they're shooting. Yeah, there's just nothing but like lasers. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense. 
my favorite part in Super 8 and um, Pescas, I Pescas, Nick Gregorio, and I had a conversation about Super 8, and I really wish that I had recorded it. But my favorite part is his least favorite favorite part, which is I love the end of the movie where they show the kids zombie film. And Nick Gregorio was complaining about that movie and goes, I was completely didn't believe any of that movie because there's no way that a bunch of 10-year-old kids could make a movie that good. He's like, that movie was better than the actual movie that I just watched. <laughs> if he says so. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I felt like Jonathan London says it best. It, it feels like you're just watching a mixtape of scenes from movies that you like. Like while I was watching, I was like, man, I really want to watch Monster Squad and E.T. But that's J.J. D- Abrams. I feel you. like you'd probably want to watch Monster Squad and E.T. regardless of if you were watching Super 8 or not. Uh, Maybe not so much E.T., but definitely Monster Squad. But there's like elements of it where I'm just like, man, this reminds me of the scene with the mummy in Monster Squad. Found my eraser. Oh, there it is. Uh, trying to think if there's any. It, apparently, all of the Catholic schools in our area are shutting down or something crazy. Did you hear about that? Yeah. And I don't understand why. Like everyone's like, "Oh, it's so sad. We have to go to public school." And it's like they were talking about uh, Bonner, and Bonner has the ability to have over twelve, twenty five hundred people in it, and they had like 900 it's like yeah your school's gonna close when you go when you have less than half of what the school can fill attending the school what sucks is like they just put in a million dollar football field not too long ago and now it's gonna be used for nothing why don't they just combine all the schools like instead of like is it really that big of a deal to have a girl's school and a boy's school in that catholic school system but like they could just combine them and keep the school open they could but there's two separate schools there so you're gonna have an empty building true maybe they'll turn that building near our old apartments into another apartment complex that's not near our apartments o'hara o'hara's not closing are they i don't know are they they're no they're not closing i would have heard if they're closing no there's some aren't closing it's just the ones that are doing shitty yep this is what happens this is what happens when you have schools owned by priests or something. I don't know. I, how does... I don't know. I went <laughs> to American Christian school. <laughs> what? Known for their basketball players. <laughs> That's why I'm so awesome. All right. Well, I gave a shout out to Sam Weller earlier. Uh, so I'm going to play an interview I did with him back in Los Angeles. Uh, and then my computer crashed and I thought I lost this interview, but I found it. So, here's an interview with Sam Weller. He's going to make some references to the old format. doesn't exist anymore. Don't be confused. Don't be scared. We got it covered. And uh, I'll play a few of his songs throughout. I'm going to play one of his songs now. And then I'm going to play a song after the interview. And then we'll be back. I come from the town of Tyler, just a lock and a skip away. Hear my sound and burn the bars away My trusty scarf and my music pouch Which no one can see Time for the strings and a voice that sings Tidy tide the time away With the wind in my back when it's blown And my crack into my manhood shrivels away I'll keep you glad with a coin in my hand Still Tyler is my name Let me go where you blow me Let my knicker charms at home The land stretches out like a woman Across the great unknown I'll nestle in her bosom 
and ride her hard at dawn. There's adventure calling across your unmown lawn. Bring your drunken clerics and all your blinded thieves. Don't forget to tip the pub man or I'll kill you when you leave. Don't walk downwind from a hill troll or spit next to a gnome. Keep a record of the women you sleep with so you can give those kids a home. I come from the town of Tyler, just locking a skip away. Let drop drown and hear my sound and burn the bards away. With my trusty scarf and my music pouch, which no one can see. Time's for the strings and a voice that sings. Tidy tide the time away. Don't eat me, dragon. On my bones, I'm lodging at the lake with my friends to fight another battle and surely run away. Oh, don't eat me, dragon! For I came to play. I come to the town of Tyler, just walking to skip away. Let's not try and hear my sound. Away. My chesty scarf and my music pouch and a loot no one can see. Time's far the strings and a voice that's. <coughs> Knicker fairies, damn it! Don't pin that one on me. With the wind in my back on its motor, my crack into my manhood shrivels away. I'll keep you glad with a coin in my hands. You know, Tyler is my name. That's crazy. Okay, so we're back. Thank you so much for that song, Sam. Yeah, no problem. Glad I could play it for you. Delightful, delightful. It changed my life. Um, now this is the first time I've ever had, ever had a guest on two episodes back to back, so you must feel good about that, sir. I am jazzed. I'm glad. <laughs> now I'm traveling through time and space. It is. It's freaky, <laughs> freaky deaky. One would even say. Um, so when did you get into doing musical comedy? Well. I think that its origins was way back in high school. I was uh, I was brought into a band. I would I was always doing musical theater when I was a kid. I was an actor, singer, dancer. But a little um, gay, but okay. A little gay, but just a little gay. <laughs> just don't let Brett Radner know about it. <laughs> Brett, Radner. <laughs> or else he'll what massage himself with shrimp or whatever. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I I was playing piano on the side a little bit because I my mom was like you gotta take piano lessons if you're gonna do music and I hated piano lessons. Yeah. So something something happened like sophomore year of high school and I was still singing I was like choir guy and and I started practicing piano by myself after after choir rehearsal and I was like hey, you know I really like this and I was always kind of like a funny guy I I, I liked I'd never wrote jokes or anything and I never really wrote music but I kind of got into it then I got into a band. Los Constables, and nice. uh, it was a parody of the police, but we wanted to like <laughs> have it like, and and some people pronounce it like Los Constables, which we thought was pretty funny because it was like you know four white, four or five white guys, <laughs> you know, playing these songs. But um, one of the songs that I wrote for them, which later I found out was a, almost a direct rip of of Now You're a Man by Trey. Peggy Parker, Matt Stone. Now you're a man, 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 man. Something must happen. Best opening song to any movie in history. Something must happen in my subconscious because I wrote a song that was almost extremely similar to that. (laughs) But it was this arena rock thing, and people like saying that was hilarious. That's when I started getting into writing comedy songs because I I liked writing music, but it was tough for me to, to, to write really serious lyrics because people just knew me so much as a jokester. I could never really get out of that box so to speak musically because yeah. i wasn't self-indulgent enough to be a serious <laughs> musician so i was like that's fine that's my shtick so then i just started writing comedy stuff on the side like for my own pleasure just a hobby 
And then it was in college that I really started writing and, and like end of my senior year, I recorded like a small album, which one of the songs that you just played was, was off that album. And I, I think I'll probably, I'm going to give you another song that is more recent, you know, maybe to close the show. All right. Um, yeah, I think I can pull you know, something up. from the past and now something from the present, All right. but they're both going to be different. So, um, now I've noticed I've, I've been doing musical comedy since probably 2003, maybe 2003, 2004, but I never really knew it was musical comedy <laughs> until about a year ago. Um, until somebody told you, you know what you do, Matt? It's funny. <laughs> well, like I knew that it was like, like I knew that the songs were stupid and that they were funny, but at that point I was never like, oh, I'm a stand up comedian. Like for me, because I don't classify Weird Al Yankovic as a stand-up comedian, even though he's very popular in the stand-up community. He's doing like a vaudeville. Yeah, it's he's like just a, a musician. Variety. He's a musician who's funny. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was more just oh, I'm just making fun of the local bands because I basically dressed like like I made songs making fun of how they dressed and the types of bands they listened to, and I was like, this isn't gonna be funny to anybody outside. Because you of have this. like a punk background with some of your. I've heard your songs. Yeah. I don't know if you've even heard any of my songs yet. I haven't. Well, I just heard you play that. Exactly. One. So now you're just now getting familiar with it. <laughs> but yeah, I've heard you. People told me in advance. Yes, yeah, Sam does a very vaudeville type <laughs> musical comedy. Where mine's a lot more making fun of punk shows, and I right. to this to this day, even now as I'm doing a few shows out here in LA, I still would feel more comfortable performing on like a side stage at like a Warp Tour or a punk festival than at a comedy club. But you know what that gets you to do? It gets you to exercise that that performance muscle to learn how to transition and bring people in. You know, if you were you you introduce yourself, I'm Saint Mort, you know, the punk god, yeah. and then all of your tunes are these sort of, you know, four chord parody bits <laughs> with like really funny lyrics. You know, I think people would get into something like that because that's a defined character and characters is when I do the musical stand up that I do, like that's mainly what I do. Like yeah. when I'm in between the songs, like I try not to leave too much space. I'm still developing my act, but like I just go into a different character for every song. Now I've noticed um, – I have two questions for you. Yeah. First question is, do you ever feel like there is a little bit of a um, – not hatred, but that that the musical comedian is automatically put at a disadvantage in the comedy scene to their peers? I think, I think that that splits either way. I, the first time I did stand-up, formally did stand-up, was at the comedy store. It was a, it was an, it was not an open mic, but it was like a, a thing where it's like bring enough people, you get booked. All right. I brought my keyboard, and they were like, "Your musical act." I said, "Yeah, it's like you're going on first. I'm going on first. The first time I did stand up, I mean, I've done performance, but like at the comedy store in the main room. Yeah. So there's a ton of people there. I, I think that the advantage sometimes to music is that it, it, it is, is definitely some will criticize like, oh, it's a crutch. You know, it's like easier for you to get a gimmick going. But then it, your range is limited, right? Yeah. So my whole thing is like, as long as people see that you're being genuine about it, like well, it won't I, be a disadvantage. But as far as like a prejudice from other comics, I'm a, I'm gonna say I think it depends on the person. All right, you know. I'm but not sure I, if you've listened to the episode I did with Sax Carr and Tim Powers. I've listened to some of it, but I mean, there is a lot of a, a breakdown. Not even a disagreement; it's just a discussion between Sax and I. Of is that. Is that stand up or is that just comedy? And, and I, I don't think I don't think that what I do 
is formally stand-up. And I, I don't either. And if you, I, I've, I've made the argument that I'm not a comedian, I'm an entertainer. And that sounds really pretentious, but my stuff's not about so much, hey, let's get everyone to laugh. Like To me, the, the comedy of the St. Mort stuff is getting a group of people to participate in something ridiculous. Exactly. And, <laughs> and everybody is like, it's okay, we're all going to have fun together. Yeah. Whereas I feel sometimes comedians that just get up there with their act, immediately they're on the defensive and like, got to make them break, got to make them pop, yeah. you know, got to make them laugh. Whereas when I go up there with my keyboard, there's a, there's a set, because comedians rely so much on rhythm, yeah. right? Your timing, your pace. How do you deliver the punchline? How do you lead up to it? With the musical comedy, all the beats, if you, a, if you wrote a funny enough bit, they're already there. So all you have to do is start and end. And... And that, I think, is the disadvantage to the musical comedian, unless part of the bit is that he, he's, he's improvising in it. And, and I, think, um, I think that that's sort of my safety shield, because I still can't get up on a... I can improvise, I can goof on set, I can do this musical stuff, but the second you put a microphone in my hand, you're like, just go up and do like a 10-minute. I'm like, I don't know where to go with this. Because <laughs> I don't think I've found... I don't think I've found who I am like the personality that I should project when I get up there, you know, and when I talk so seriously about comedy, you're like, God, this guy's a stiff. Well, <laughs> for me, I, I do a lot of just jokes in between the set. Um, that kind of just, stem, I mean, for me, so much of the songs are taken from real life that in between songs, I just talk about my real life. But the downside of that is that it makes it harder to keep that within a character is like the character supposed to be this egomatic dude. So you really shouldn't be like just talking about like oh this song's about my parents and like blah, blah, blah. like because then that's too sympathetic. It's you too have to be more aggressive. Um, but I mean, it, it's kind of it's always like that toss up where I I almost like doing more of like Saint Mort storytellers, <laughs> like where it's just, <laughs> unplugged. Yeah. Um, now my other question is, have you have you had to play for the same crowd of people? on more than one occasion, do you feel like it puts you at a disadvantage with songs where basically the punchline is hearing the song for the first time. Mm -hmm. And then like, how do you work that time and time again? Um, I mean, I haven't, I haven't done my act enough in front of the same group of people that I know people are, are kind of familiar with my gags. Um, when, when I perform, I like to think that I do it, you know, a little bit differently. I think the way that I switch it up is always make sure to include a couple ones that they know and then one that they've never heard or one that I just wrote. Like, I pressure myself every time that I go out to perform, like, I need to have, to a, have new a new song. song. Just have one new song. And, uh, and the, set, the setup can be different. You know, a lot of my stuff is just characters and impersonations. I did a Macho Man impression right after Macho Man passed away. God rest his elbow drop and soul. Um, <laughs> And that just, it, I thought it did really well. Like People were receptive to it because they just saw that I was passionate about it. And I think that, if anything, that's sort of my personality on stage is I'm so earnest and like enthusiastic about what I'm doing. They, they, they want to smile with me. Even if I <laughs> suck, they still want to give me support. I, I give them the puppy eyes. They don't want to shoot me, you know? Yeah. But yeah. All right. Well, Chico's Vibe, you guys can take a night off. Sam, would you like to do one last song, a new song, like you said? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Something to to hit people with and and send them home with a smile. All right. Well, thank you for coming by a second time in a row there, Sam. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. We'll be back in a couple weeks. Walking out the sea store laughing. About to buy some Hennessy to mix with juice. All sound of good.
comes walking, looking like she was on the loose. I inquired to my friends, who is that? Making sure my hot dog doesn't unload. I knew at once my mind was smitten. This is the story that ass told. My body and my mind all together making love in the sheets, making faces, talking weather in a trance. Think about ass. The girl was right, and her lock was tight. Baby doll top made me shout good night. Gathered by my vision, drawn to her thighs. Cock said please, and she replied. Booty, booty buns. Oh, booty, booty buns. Stuff it in the bun. Stop, stop. She could mix ketchup and mustard and crazy things Stuck on what this manwich brings Dripping on my fingers just ain't that fun I need a sesame seed inside that booty bun My ball bar crank is plump in For that sweet ass rush you bump in My manhood needs something good and tight So toast that bun with me tonight Booty See you, girls. Boy, that Sam Weller is a funny cat. <laughs> Not only does he do commercials, he does songs. He's unstoppable. He is an unstoppable human being. He's like a renaissance man. He is a man. He is a renaissance man strictly worked on really non-legit artist forms. Yes. Yes. I think that is the best way to sum it up. So that is all we have for the new version of the St. Mort Show. Uh, hopefully... Over the weeks, the banter between Shrop and I will improve, but the interviews don't, don't will stay that. the same. Uh, so I promised I would play some Roots and Stereos, so I'll have a... Uh, I think I want to play Fuck It Theory. So here's Fuck It Theory by Roots and Stereo. Mm-hmm. 